Hello, everybody. Today's guest is helping startups with finding product market fit by outsourcing your marketing and sales departments. Gwen Wiscount is going to share with us what the three biggest attributes are that cause problems for the sales teams, as well as what traits to look for in your first hire. We will also speak about the difference between a good salesperson and a great one, and what one thing you could change now that will get dramatic improvements on your conversion rate. I'm sure you will find a lot of helpful action items in today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you could hear next week's uh, interview with J.R. Butler. He took his company from 200 clients to 2,000 in only four years, and he will be sharing his insights with us. Startup Sales is a podcast about what it's really like to get a business off the ground. We talk with founders, CEOs, and sales VPs from the high-tech market. You'll learn how to build and scale a sales team. You'll also hear about the growth challenges and tough decisions from others who have had both successes and failures. And now, your host of the Startup Sales Podcast, Adam Springer. Gwen, happy to have you with us. Thank you so much, Adam. Great to be here. What can you tell us about Full Funnel? Sure. So Full Funnel is an outsourced sales and marketing and advisory services company. And what we do is we provide companies with the results they desire without the cost they dread. At the end of the day, there are a lot of companies out there that deploy a lot of cash and capital to acquire new business to inc- increase revenue. However, Um, The people, the platform, the processes that they have in place are maybe not optimized to show the return that they're looking for. Um, So we actually work as an extension of your team to build overall demand generation programs with the end goal of returning capital, increasing revenue, and basically giving you 3 to $5 back what you're giving us on a a revenue perspective or a return, uh, I'm sorry, a retainer perspective. Um, One of the reasons we got started is... um, my business uh, partner actually gave me a call one day and he said, I, I want to start a company for startups. I want to start a sales and marketing company for startups. And the reason being is that he was out in San Francisco and he saw, uh, you know, seven out of 10 companies fail and they fail because they don't get that product market fit. Um, they don't, they never graduate out of that stage. So what we determined is, you know, we're the sales and marketing professionals, right? So if we can partner with founders that have a brilliant product, they're brilliant people, you know, a marriage between us should yield to at these, at least these folks having a chance. Um, we definitely still work with earlier stage companies, mainly the ones that are venture backed. And we also deal a lot with mid-market and publicly traded as well. Okay. Sounds like you've, uh, you've said that a few times. <laughs> I have, I have. And it's, it's fun because when I, when I talk about it, I have a lot of I have the same problem or I feel the same way. So it's nice to know that what we're doing at the end of the day is helping these companies, um, you know, go to market, increase revenue at the end of the day, making these companies successful, which is what I really find fulfilling in my role. Okay. So if you had to define what you do in a nutshell. Absolutely. So what I would say is that we're the consultants that actually stay and do the work for you. Um, So a lot of dollars are being spent on consultants to come in and tell you what to do, and then they leave. Um, But at the end of the day, a plan is only as good as its execution. So that's really what we do. We take that plan that we develop in in conjunction with stakeholders, and we execute it with you folks um, on your behalf. 
So rent a sales marketing team. Absolutely. Rent it. (laughs) Exactly. We're we're the face of your team. You probably will talk to us probably more than you talk to some of your your own team members in house. (laughs) All right. Is this a full cycle sale, SDR, both? Yeah, great question. Um, it's actually full scale. So we work with companies of a lot of different sizes, very different life cycle stages. So we have identified that you know not all needs are the same. So we do very top of the funnel uh, demand generation programs. So uh, you know outbound sales prospecting programs, demand generation as it relates to paid marketing, um, and we also all go all the way down to close. So we can do top of the funnel demand generation, top of the funnel to qualification, hand it off to a sales team to then close and manage the pipeline or actually take these deals that we're bringing in uh, through the sales cycle down to close as well for folks that do not have an in-house sales team, which is very, very common for some of our early stage startup folks where they're, they're looking for someone that, you know, they, they, they have experience in selling and, you know, they can be those closers that they can depend on to make their product successful. So let's start with, uh, with this. Uh, what are the biggest problems that you're seeing that uh, sales teams have? So one of the things that's really interesting is, um, and to be honest with you, Adam, it does not matter what life cycle stage they're at. It doesn't matter if it's an early stage company, a mid-market, or even a publicly traded company. Majority of these companies, um, one of the problems they face is uh, it comes down to platforms, process, and people. Um platforms and that they have CRM systems, they don't use them effectively, um, process. There's a there's a fundamentally um, you know, way of how sales should be conducted. It's the process. Um, processes aren't templatized. They're not repeatable, which means your, your sales program will never be scalable. Um, and then also people, right? The right people in the right seats that's essentially driving the process that is in place on those platforms. When those three work in tandem, you have a very, very productive sales um, process, sales program, and you will see that based upon pipeline generation and then in turn revenue. If one of those areas fail, the data is not in the CRM, the pipeline's not up to date, there's a break in the process, salespeople are selling differently, their processes are different, the way they engage are different, and then also just salespeople in general, how they're selling, team dynamics, all of those factors, if not on the same page, will impact your business. And like I said, we see it across the gamut of companies. It's not centralized to just one stage. Majority of companies have this problem. Okay. Very interesting. So platform processes and people. Absolutely. So so people, let's talk about the people mm-hmm. side. Yeah. Uh, what When you say people are one of the three most important th- things, explain. Yeah. So at the end of the day, um, it, it really comes down to who, who is who who are your people that are selling your product that they're the face of your brand right you know it's always a start with why why do you exist if if you don't have people in those seats that can effectively do that and be that sales professional you're never going to get the type of business that you want or the or the traction that you're looking for that you need at that crucial point of go to market um, you know, this also comes down to the types of people, their demeanor, what excites them, what drives them, what, why they come to work every day. All of these factors go into being able to, to select who that person is to, to be in your sales program or to run your sales program. Um, I think one of the things that I, that I see a lot of startups doing is, and I, I don't care 
you know, it, it's not a San Francisco problem, New York problem, Boston problem, uh, you know, Tel Aviv problem. It, it's it's across the gamut. It's a if you're an early stage company, you know, typically if you have funding, you think that there's a salesperson. In order to get a really good salesperson, you got to throw a lot of money at them. Um, the reality is that you're you're putting the the livelihood of your product and again the opportunity for traction into the hands of one person one person's brain one person's ex- sales experience it's very um very myopic in that sense um so i i would challenge you know folks of when they look at that people element really look at that very carefully and just start to think about you know who is that person? What are those, you know, do they embody what we want the brand to be and the message to be? Um, because the people out of those three are really what, in my opinion, what make or break your sales process. Absolutely. So what kind of traits are you looking for in these kind of people? At the end of the day, salespeople are hungry. Um, salespeople just have a very, very different demeanor than most business professionals. Um they need, it's usually a high, uh, you know, energetic environment, um, you know, very competitive by nature, the desire to win. Um, but what I found is that not win individually, it's not, they're not me, it's more of a we, how are we winning? How are we increasing sales? How are we increasing revenue? And by being able to shift and uh, go from a me versus we, that is where I really believe salespeople um, it's the difference between a good salesperson and a great salesperson. Um, because at the end of the day, there's a lot of really good salespeople, right? They come in, they sit down, they do their work, close business, they go home, right? That's great. That's that's kind of how the world works. But then you have this other bucket of folks, which are your great salespeople. And when they have the we versus me mentality, you'll see their team members win more. You'll see the company win more. And you just see that that then overflows into other areas of your business. Okay, but you'll you'll hear a lot of people say that salespeople are selfish or they're mm-hmm. money hungry. So when you're looking for somebody that's more of a team player and but focusing on the team, how are you finding those kind of people? What kind of questions are you asking? Uh, what kind of traits or responses are you are you looking for in their responses? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So I would say that that's one of the things that I think is most challenging when hiring salespeople, um, because there's some commonality, which they're all competitive, right? They're they're all competitive. Yes, they're money hungry. They're usually money centric. Um, But then it's kind of peeling the layer back a little bit. The questions that we ask in order to try to to get root to that root to that question or kind of uh, understanding is usually around all of the other assets and the other areas of the business or the responsibilities of that role that you can kind of test out of and figure, is this person a show up, pound the phones, close deals and go home? Um, so I would also say that it comes down to being a culture fit too. Um, we do here at Full Funnel, we do one of the last parts of our interview process is a culture fit, making sure that this person on paper who they who we've met in person can also be a good culture fit with us outside of work. Um, and it's usually in that kind of experiment that we're able to kind of self-identify different, you know, the way that they conduct themselves, the way that they engage with others, the way that they engage with, you know, um, uh, you know, someone at a restaurant or a bartender, you know, those little kind of soft skills that you'll see, they're really leading indicators to see whether or not that person's a we versus me kind of uh, person. So you do the beer test. 
<laughs> you don't have to drink to work a full funnel, but yes, we, we do a let's let's get let's get breakfast, let's get drinks, let's get dinner, you know, let's go for a walk, whatever it might be. Just anything anything outside of the the office is what you're Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. You have a you have a final meeting and do you ask like kind of more technical questions or work related questions or are you just having a conversation and keeping an eye for those on how they're treating others and certain things? Yeah, I, I do think it's a it's a nice mix between the two. And at the end of the day, this is just more opportunity, more time for our team to be with that person, uh, that candidate. So it's an opportunity for us to definitely ask more pointed questions as it relates to their experience or the role. But at that point in the engagement, um, you know, we, we pretty much know all of that information. This is more around my favorite question to ask people. I have two questions. Number one is, what do you want to be when you grow up? Number two is, um, you know, what do you do for fun? At the end of the day, if you tell me I like to work, you're boring. Like I love to work too, but at the end of the day, like what, like, why do you work so hard? You know, what do you want? What are you striving for? Is it a a trip that you like to travel? Are you saving for, you know, a condo or a house? Like what drives you? And that kind of dovetails into, you know, what do you do on a day-to-day basis? What makes you, you, what do you like to do? What's the most surprising answer you've gotten from what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, let me try to think about that one. I usually get a lot of people that laugh. Because they're like, well, aren't I, grow up? aren't I grown up yet? I'm like, well, you are, but what do you want to be when you grow up? The, the last one I, I had that I thought was pretty interesting is, um, and actually, surprisingly, if we, we, he just accepted his um, offer two days ago. Um, he said he loves to, I don't know what the term is called, but he does like these little like gardens. Um, I don't know. Uh, like bonsai kind of? Yeah, bonsai yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, he does these little gardens um, and uh, he really just has a passion for this. And he said, what would I be when I grew up? I would move to a deserted island. Uh, that would be my business. And I would just enjoy life. And I'm like, that's an awesome answer. Because <laughs> it shows his his passion, but is also passion of wanting to be an entrepreneur as well. Great. So let's talk about the other two uh, of, the, of the three of the trio that you spoke about. Processes. Mm-hmm. You say that that's a, it's a very important leg to stand on. So... What, what kind of processes are you talking about? Absolutely. So when we look at things from the top of the funnel all the way down to the bottom, how a lead comes in, how they're engaged with, or do they get a phone call? Do they get an email? Is it logged? What's the process? What's the time frame between all of those uh, touch points? All the way through to nurture, qualification, in your sales pipeline, you know, negotiations down to close. From top of the funnel down to, bo- down to the bottom, that whole... Uh, the whole process must be a process. So it must be an agreed upon process that people are abiding to and uh, basically ensuring that it's being done the correct way. Um, Only when the process is put in place can we find failure points. Um, So for example, we walk into companies, um, most times they they have a sales process in place, but there's, we identified a lot of holes and a lot of opportunities of of improvement. and by putting the process in place, having it run a few times, we're able to identify other um, other stop gaps in their in their in their uh, pipeline in order to get to close. So the one uh, analogy that my business partner uses all the time is, you know, you need to run the water through the garden hose to see if there's any holes. So that's pretty much the same process. That's that's literally what we do. Is we we 
build the garden hose and we turn it on and the water goes through and it's like, whoa, we got a lot of holes. Like, let's patch this thing up. Um, so that repetition of the process, you're able to actually, um, you know, optimize it further, refine it for, uh, further, and then really get to that next part, which is the people. Because if there's if there's a people problem, the cream always rises in that process part, right? The process is in place. People are abiding by it. And if I have a couple people that aren't abiding by it and there's failure points with them or they're not hitting their sales goals, I know it's a people problem then. And that's when it becomes less subjective. So if I'm a startup, how can I start to build a process if i only at the beginning stages? Absolutely. I would say that it comes down to the templatization of your sales process. So when a lead comes into your sales funnel, how do you engage with them? What is the process? Do you pick up the phone and call an inbound lead? Do you then send them an email message? If they don't respond back to you, how long do you wait then for the next conversation? Where is it being logged at? Is it even being logged? Or is it kind of we call them on one time and then if they don't convert, we forget about them? Um, after a sales call or during the sales call, are you sending an email prior to confirm the, com- the com- confirming the email or confirming the time frame? After that qual call, the qualification call, what is your what is your templatized process? What are those qualifying questions you're asking? What is the format that they're being collected in? Because at the end of the day, you're collecting data, right? And if data is not recorded in a platform, you can't ever go back to and use it from a from a sales aspect perspective to help you with the close. Um, so really understanding, um, you know, I gave some very, very specific examples, but w- literally being able to look at from top of the funnel down to bottom, take a, take a magnifying glass and go through every single step of how a lead comes in the top of your funnel down to when they're signing that contract and think of it as in a perfect, you know, utopian world, what would this process look like? And then more importantly, and this is where I think it's super important for sales professionals that are in early stage companies to do this, is because the process needs to be repeatable. At the end of the day, you cannot be, you know, the CEO of a company for the last six years doing $5 million in revenue or what have you, and still managing the whole sales process. You need to be able to take the program you've built, the process you've built, the templates you've built, train someone that's a much lower cost than you are, and allow them to run that for you. That's really where that scalability kind of comes into play with sales programs. Okay. So... If I'm, let's say I'm starting a new company now and I'm going to start to build this process, but I don't know when I should reach mm-hmm. out. You know, each each sales cycle is different. Each kind of lead is different. So where do you start? I would say you start with what the data says. So. But you have no data. You're you're a brand new. Startup. You're right, but you know what? There's a lot of sales outlets, sales forums, sales job, sales boards. Um, you know, different blogs that are out there that are a. Uh, it's a soundboard of a bunch of sales professionals that have ran many programs before in one central location. Um, so that knowledge share is super powerful, and I think that there's different outlets like that that you can go to to start learning best practices. Um, you do a quick search on, you know, sales process best practices, you're going to get probably, you know, a, a few a few thousand or a million hits, right? Um, at the end of the day, you're not, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Um, that's one thing that I think people mistaken is that I have a very unique product. It needs to be sold in a very unique way. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you're selling. There's a process to sell from start to finish. Um, and I think that by being able to actually start 
tracking the data, you'll actually be able to understand what makes the most sense. Um, there's a lot of studies out there. There's a lot of data out there as far as the um, conversion time between when someone submits a request and the time it takes for them to be followed up upon. Um, and I forget the exact statistic, but it's almost like with each passing minute, the likelihood of that lead converting continues to drop, um, which is one of the reasons that Full Funnel, as soon as an inbound lead comes in for a client, someone's on the phone. You literally stop what you're doing. You pick up that phone and call because everyone in that in that office is doing a heck of a lot of work on behalf of the client to get that lead in the sales funnel. So we want to make sure that we're doing our best job of getting in front of them as soon as they hit that submit button. Um, so that's just one thing. It sounds, it sounds really basic, but to be honest with you, you'd be surprised at how many people don't follow up with inbound leads in a, in a, in a realistic timeframe. And when you say realistic, what is a realistic within an hour? Or are you talking about really being tight with it and be within five minutes? If you can do it within five minutes, you'll probably see extremely high conversion rate from submission through to your SQL or opportunity stage. Um, so, I mean, the sooner the better. Less than 24 hours, you'll be fine. But the sooner the better. And, you know, now with everything being on our phones, you get an email notification, someone submitted on your website, hit that call button, just set just call the guy or call the gal and just, you know, set, set up the meeting. And so this is a good segue into the third leg that you mentioned, platform. So what kind of platforms are, are you using to enable people to, once they get the lead, to call them? Are you using calling software or, and following up? And what are you using? Yeah, so we use a lot of different platforms here at Full Funnel, um, depending upon client size and, you know, what they need. But Things that we have found really effective. Um, so I had mentioned before that, you know, you get an email notification, pick up the phone and call. Um, we use Calendly, a super easy opportunity for you to embed your calendar right into that form submission page. So as soon as someone fills out that form, they're going right to your Calendly page. They can book directly there, which is alleviating the need for you to pick up the phone and call the, that person. Um, we also use um, HubSpot Sales Pro. And then there's also Sales Loft, which is very similar to HubSpot Sales Pro, but for um, for Salesforce. Um, these two platforms have a ton of different features, um, very similar to something like Yesware as far as, you know, sends, opens, clicks, when they're clicking. So really having that uh, insight into your prospects and how they're engaging the prospect uh, behavior really allows you to then pick up the phone, make that call. Um, we record majority of the calls here at Full Funnel, again, just from a quality standpoint, but also, again, to make sure that we have all the information. Um, we also use a tool called CallRail. It's a really great tool that you can actually use to track and use phone number tracking. Um, really helps you from a channel attribution standpoint. And then we also... Um, we really like Zoom conference. Uh, so we use Zoom for all of our conference calls. Um that's that it sounds silly, but like that is a part of a platform. It's in your sales process. It's like when you engage with someone, are you going to pick up the phone and call them when you have a qual call? Are you doing an in person? Are you doing a conference call? And the funny thing is, Zoom allows you to have a face to face interaction without the cost to fly across the country and do an in person. I think that's one of the things that I have found extremely successful with both um, our colleagues here at Full Funnel, but also clients and prospects is that I can pitch you over a computer and you can see me. I can see your facial reactions. If I say a price and I see you kind of, I see some, you know, 
you know, you kind of wrinkle your, your face a little bit. I know that you're probably not really happy with that price I just threw out there. So being able to actually read your buyer, uh, read the prospect is super powerful that by leveraging something like Zoom and Zoom um, video conference, you have the ability to kind of break down that barrier and, you know, you don't have to assume anymore. Yeah. Why, why is a tool like Zoom conference as opposed to uh, Google Hangouts? So Google Hangouts has a limit. Google Hangouts is fine. Um, it depends upon what industry you're selling into, um, especially with a lot of middle market and also publicly traded. They they don't use Google products. They'll use Microsoft. Um, so more often than not, they don't have the ability to even use Google Hangouts on their computer. Um, Google Hangouts also has a, a limit a limit as far as how many you can bring, how many people you can bring into that group. Um, I've tried other products in the past. I just found that there's always this awkward delay, and I don't know if you've ever seen the. Um, the YouTube video about if a conference call was done in real life. It's so funny. Um, but it, it, it doesn't have that awkward pause. You're not talking over each other, which kind of comes down to a, it's a very, it sounds really small, but it's extremely um, powerful in a sales um, environment, right? If I'm accidentally talking over my prospect and they feel that I'm not giving them time to either validate my product or tell me their pain or you know just give me their point of view, that's an opportunity for me to accidentally turn them off without even realizing it. So as silly as that sounds, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, especially to to get that other aspect that you don't normally get, which is see their facial expressions. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, about uh, salespeople again. And when you're managing them, what are some of the problems that you that you find that are repeating? I think the one of the, one of the things that's um, we're seeing a, a commonality on is that um, you know a lot of sales professionals they have this new title and I shouldn't say new but it's newer which is like I'm an AE I'm an account executive but there's no context to like what do you actually do on a day to day basis and I think one of the things that was challenging for us is that who we want these sales who we need these salespeople to be and who you would want your salespeople to be internally, and what that AE role does. The AE role is very different across industries, across companies. Um, So really getting granular on what do you do on a day-to-day basis? What did you do on a day-to-day basis? And being able to marry that against the job job requirements really allows you to kind of, you know, compare apples to apples, if you will. Um, That's been one of our challenges um, from the beginning is just, you know, more clarity around what folks have been doing based upon this job title they have been having. Um, things that I look for in, in a hire for salespeople is they definitely need to be, um, you know, team oriented. Um, so as, as far as, you know, different challenges, I think that, you know, people that are not detail oriented, that's one thing that uh, we really look at here. Um, salespeople by nature typically are not detail oriented, so it's something that usually will you know set you apart from the pack. Um, being able to actually manage and run programs versus actually just the execution. At the end of the day, um, you can get anyone to hit the phones, send emails, and do sales activity. Um, the difference between activity is activity and strategy is that activity should yield results. But activity and strategy married together will more likely yield results and then more likely realize into revenue. Yeah. Better results, better revenue. Exactly. Now, I heard about at Full Funnel that you have a very interesting offboarding process. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, 
talk about that? Absolutely. So one of the things that we preach here at Full Funnel is that, you know, Full Funnel is your platform. Um, Folks at Full Funnel, you are literally selling for three to five different companies um, in one day. So you're constantly switching gears, constantly switching a pitch. And that dynamic is one of the reasons that people love working here. Um, In conjunction with that, you also get a ton of experience um, I have a colleague that's in my pod, or it, it, he's he's in my team. We call them pods here, um, and he's only been here for six months. And the amount of information that he has learned around sales process, around different industries, around different buyer personas, about how to sell different products and services, has literally accelerated in those six months. That if he were to go out and get a different job, um, he would never get that amount of experience in. That, that we gave him in those six months. Um, so we know the value of Full Funnel and, and what we're doing to our team, but we also know that it's 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 not a place that maybe everyone wants to be. Um, and that's okay. Um, so we have a very, we're very, very transparent as a company. It's actually one of our principles is uh, transparency. And with that, you know, we develop a culture that if people are not, um, if they just don't feel that Full Funnel is the right fit for them, we actually plan an offboarding process for them. So if someone came to us and say, hey, Full Funnel's not my cup of tea. I, lo- I want to do something different. That's okay. We're going to basically work with you for the next 30, 60, 90 days on what does that offboarding program look like? Um, during that time frame, we, um, we are references on your behalf. We actually typically allow folks to work somewhat part-time so that they have time to go find another job. And you're getting paid the whole time. And the, re- the reason we do that is, number one, is we don't believe in br- burning bridges. Um, at the end of the day, we're all people, right? We just come to work and we try to you know, provide in this common, you know, mission and, and value of full funnel. But at the end of the day, we're all people. We, we, we treat each other as people. Um, so being able to make sure that that person is successful with their transition out of full funnel, that when they leave, um, you know, they will say great things about their experience here. Because uh, at the end of the day, the experience that they're taking with them, it, it's, it's honestly our gift to them. And, and their gift to us was the time that they were with us. And also we understand that any kind of transition out of our company is always, you know, we need to understand how that's going to affect clients, if at all. Um, it typically doesn't affect clients because they pay for the product of Full Funnel. They don't pay for people. Um, but we find we, we hold it very true to our heart as far as ensuring that when people um, don't feel it's a good fit, we do everything in our power to ensure that that offboarding process is um, is done in a way that at the end of that engagement, we're friends. And I'm happy to say that a lot of my team members that are no longer here, and, and I've seen everyone come through because I was employee number one. So I've seen a lot of people come in and out. Um, and I'm, I'm still friends, very good friends with a lot of them. And it's because they were offboarded in, in, in the right way. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's extremely important for companies to, to keep not burn their bridges, as mm-hmm. you say. Absolutely. You never know when people are going to come back. You know, you never know when people's, um, you know, life's going to change, needs are going to change, um, desires are going to change. And, you know, there might be an opportunity, especially in sales, there might be an opportunity to do business and you never want to burn a bridge. Great. Well, Gwen, it was really a pleasure. I, I think we, we learned a lot. Is there a way that people could reach out to you and, and contact you? Absolutely. Um, so my email address is Gwen, G-W-E-N, at fullfunnel.co, 
not.com. Um, you can email me, uh, email me questions, comments, concerns, happy to hear from anyone. Um, you can also go to our website, fullfunnel.co. Uh, a lot of information there about the process, the programs, our blog. And there's also a request for consultation there as well. If you want to just mention uh, my name, you'll be getting in touch with me uh, pretty quickly. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much, Gwen. Thanks for listening to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. To contact Adam about consulting services or speaking engagements, visit StartupSalesPodcast.com or email StartupSalesPodcast at gmail.com. Gwen, let's finish up with our uh, five last questions. Sounds Uh, great. What is your favorite sales or leadership book? My favorite sales book is Fanatical Prospecting. Uh, it's, a, it's huge for sales, a lot of really good tips and tricks for running and deploying prospecting programs. Um, and they're all backed by different data, uh, data and different tests that teams have conducted in the past. So it really gives an opportunity for um, you know, both seasoned professionals and folks starting out in sales to take those tools and put them into action. Okay, great. Do you have uh, someone that you follow or read about sales? Or leadership? Um, I actually follow a lot on just LinkedIn. Um, I follow a lot of different sales professionals and different sales groups. And I just kind of look there as far as, you know, who's, who's yelling the loudest. And that's what I usually go to. Uh, and anybody you could recommend off the top of your head? So Drift is doing a lot of interesting stuff right now in Boston. Um, they're more one of the more vocal uh, companies right now, also HubSpot, they do a ton of research around what works and doesn't work for sales and marketing. Um, so those are two kind of industry leaders right now that um, they're industry leaders in their own demographic, but they're, they're coming out of the gates with, with data, which is at the end of the day, what people need to be able to make decisions off of. Absolutely. All right. Are you available 24-7 or do you have strict personal time boundaries? <laughs> Um, so I'm in sales. I'm, I'm a free 24 seven. Uh, I believe in, I don't call it a work-life balance. Um, Gary Keller, uh, the founder of uh, Keller Williams real estate in his book called the one thing, he talks about work-life balance. And he said, if you have work-life balance, there's always going to be a time where an area of your life or your business life is is, is unbalanced. Um, so I call it a work-life blend. Um, if I need to be available, I'm available. If I'm out for a run or in yoga, you probably won't get me, but you'll get a call back. Um, so at the end of the day, my, my work funds my life and I have a very full, fulfilling life. So I'm a, I am pretty, pretty much a 24 seven kind of, kind of worker and I'm, it's my passion. So I, I don't look at it as work. Well, there you go. Uh, what is your favorite tool used for sales? Uh, so I'm a big people person. Um, I like to, at the end of the day, and actually the beginning of my conversations, learn who are you as a person. Um, so we we use the Sandler sales methodology, and at the beginning is building the rapport. Sometimes I have to like time myself on how much rapport time I'm giving myself because I could just keep talking about anything with people. Um, so uh, the the part of my of sales that I like the most is, is definitely that, that rapport sector. That's, that's my strength and what I really enjoy doing because it's really where you get an opportunity to meet the person and really connect with the person that you're trying to sell to, but then the day provide a solution for. Uh, finally, what one piece of advice do you have for all the founders and uh, sales leaders out there? I would say when you're going to market, 
be mindful of all the channels that you're using in order to get product market fit and gain traction. I think a lot of times what companies do is that they'll be very focused on one type of channel. So when I say channel, I mean like outbound prospecting or inbound marketing or paid marketing or a referral network or channel partner program. Um, Be sure to have a very diverse channel strategy. Otherwise, what you run into is that you'll pick a channel, do it for about six to 12 months, get those learnings, and then re- and then introduce a new channel. If you are deploying all channels at once, your learnings are going to accelerate. You'll be able to actually share the learnings um, from each channel to help and benefit the other channels. And then by the end of that year, two, three years, you'll have a very good understanding of what is your cost per for each channel. So cost per lead, cost per SQL, cost per opportunity, and your CAC to better understand what is the financial um, you know, scalable solution in order to get my business to the next level and what is my channel to do so. Great. Gwen, again, thank you very much for everything. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.